Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham, and you can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod. I'm joined today by Zach Dosh, and you can find me at Zachary Dosh. I'm Greg Steeman. You can find me at, at Greg Steeman. So we were just talking before we hit record here today, and uh, we thought that it'd be kind of nice to just talk about. I, I went down to Tulsa with my two boys. Uh, to watch Oral Roberts take on Oklahoma State. So we're going to start with that, the trip and all of that. And then kind of, I just want to go a little bit into the the reason why I I do those kinds of things. I think it just, basketball happens to be the thing that, that we use to do, to spend time together, but there's lots of things that people could do. So I, I heck, part of me started this just to, to even get people doing things like that with their families. So, um, but yeah, we... Uh, eight Thanksgiving on Wednesday, and um, then hit the road early Thursday, drove to Kansas City on on Thursday, and then left Friday morning for, for Tulsa. Um, some of the things that uh, I thought were really cool, the Maybe Center looks really nice. I know they just did a renovation. It was packed in there. So just the fact that it was probably about half Oral Roberts fans and half Oklahoma State fans. Um, but just the fact that it was a full arena, full of it, just felt normal again um, to be out doing something like that. Um, my nine-year-old's favorite part is he's number three on his basketball team, so he quite enjoyed that the number three on Oral Roberts is quite a player. Um, he he tried to explain that he scored ten points in his tournament and that that the other number three scored a lot more, but. Uh, I said, you guys didn't even score as many points as that guy scored in a whole game. So uh, I, I think you, you'll be okay. But uh, yeah, it was really cool just to go there. Um, spent a lot of time in the car. It's a total uh, 10, 11 hours, something like that. Um, and then if you factor in two kids under the age of 12, that makes that into like a 14, 15 hour trip. But uh, it was it was a blast um, just to to get to spend that time together. And uh, went to Dave and Buster's in Tulsa. They had never been there. We have one about 30 minutes from our house, but we, we drove 11 hours to get to a Dave and Buster's. Um, they really enjoyed that. And then we stayed at a water park in Des Moines yesterday. Um, and that was a bunch of fun too. So that was the, the trip. Um, it was, it was really packed in there. We, I did not buy tickets in advance. So then when we got there and there was about two rows left, um, I was happy that I that there was at least something left, but there it easily could see everything. Um, it was a lot of fun and a great game too, uh, right well, down to the end. That's awesome. I'm just glad you guys got to first off see a great game, and we'll, we'll touch on that game again later. But second off, you know, just the the time that you had with your boys. You know what I mean? I mean that's yep. just priceless. I mean, talk about some of the other memories that you guys will have forever. The, it, it the, honestly, it, one of my memories is that car rides are just so much easier for kids than they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. We had an Xbox plugged into the truck while and with a a hotspot that we had borrowed from the library, so they were playing video games the entire time. That, that almost no complaining about if we're almost there. Um, it's just 
amazing in that way. And then my, my uh, 11 year old is just going on and on about how his birthday party is going to be at Dave and Buster's. He'd never been to a place like that before. So too. And then uh, they could check off. They talked about all this. They, they get to share on Monday at school. So we had to make sure to talk about all the different states we had been through and different things like that. Um, I will say the drive. I mean, if you've ever made the drive through Kansas and most of Missouri and Iowa, um, there's not a lot of like, oh, hey, here's this cool thing. <laughs> yeah. So there, it was more about the states themselves than it was, you know, here's when when I'd said, oh, there's John Wayne's birthplace. They didn't know who John Wayne was. Um, so like um, some of those things weren't quite as exciting to them as they were to me. Um, very little fighting, though, between two boys f- over a two day trip. Um, so that was really nice. Um and well, like I said, it, it's it's really more about whatever your thing is. Just find time to spend. I mean, they're only going to be nine and eleven for one year, and before you know it, they're going to be nineteen and twenty-one. And and so it's just getting the chance to be with them when you have the chance to do it. Absolutely. Well, I'm guessing you guys are bringing your family to um, uh, Sioux Falls for the summer league tournament, aren't you? Yeah, they've went with I've went now three years to to the Summit League tournament two before we were doing this. And then last year. So they went with last year, even though they couldn't go um to the tournament it, itself because of COVID restrictions and all of that. But the, they and actually my mom went with us last year and watched the boys while I went to the basketball game. So um yeah, it it was uh pretty cool. Todd, we need to find go ahead. Go, go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say, don't worry about, you know, the scenic view. Uh, Zach and I live in North Dakota, for goodness sakes. And and, uh, and we wouldn't trade yeah. North Dakota for anywhere. Just don't don't forget that. But it's really about, uh, it speaks a lot to um, kind of what you've done with this podcast, you know, by allowing Zach and I to be part of it and uh, exposing the Summit League to a, a lot of fans and things along those lines and just enjoying the aspect of college basketball, what it does. And, and what it allows you to do with your boys, go down to ORU and watch Oklahoma State play in the Baby Center. Um, what, a, what a neat thing. And I, I think, if anything, it, it emphasizes how, how neat this league is and, and, and the opportunities that it presents, especially with the, with the Summit League tournament. You know, the quality of competition you can watch, the, the high-level entertainment value that you get, the high-level basketball that you get. And so those are things that I'm guessing your nine and 11 year old will never forget. And yeah. uh, credit to you for, for making that effort. And you know what? A big credit to your wife for saying, go do it over the <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm really happy for you guys and, and, and you and your boys. I, I think it had to be a really memorable experience for you. Yeah, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, the, the, this, this is all about the communities that we're trying to create, right? Whether it's with our families or friends and family, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, Todd, if, if we know, if we know one thing in North Dakota, it's long drives with nothing to really look at. Right. I mean, that that's me weekly guy driving up to Grand Forks, right? Not, not a ton of between Bismarck and Grand Forks. Um, uh, and then the other thing is, is the little bit of homework that we have in between now and the summer league tournament is finding a good hotel with like a poolside room for our families. We need that. If I'm going yes. to make that trip, I got to get that sold that it's a part of it. It is a poolside room or something like that. So we got to make sure we get we get that lined up. I'm hoping to make that happen. Um, we have the high school state tournaments the week after. But uh, and I'll and, and we also have a baby on the way in December here. So um, 
you know, we'll see if it works out, but if it does, it'll have to be something like that. So I, I think that'll be a pretty cool situation if we can all make it work. So. And that's one of the things too, like with the tournament last year and people who had went to the summit league tournament for years and years and years, the stories that you get, are about the entire family would go and they would be in hotel rooms together. And of course this is a basketball podcast. So I'm not pretending that the basketball isn't important to, to us or to the fans, but I can't tell you what happened in the tournament. My first year there four years ago, but I can tell you the memories that I had with my kids. And that's the stories that I got from summit league fans all over when the tournament, because of COVID people couldn't, attend the tournament last year I, I think you can you can always watch the game on tv but the staying at the the water park in sioux falls there or whatever going to the falls themselves and these different it's it's only a short drive over to omaha to the zoo there like there's just all sorts of things in the downtime and and you know i i don't really care what people decide is their thing i just think it's really important to carve out time when when it's available to you and, and greg i'll second it my wife was not excited that we were in a, in a vehicle for 11 hours. Um, you know, that's understandable concerns with just that's a big chunk of the family going on a long uh, trip by themselves. But uh, um, it so, I, yeah, it, it can't can't thank her enough for letting me do that, too. So. Well, that's awesome. So glad to hear that it went well. And uh, I mean, just an experience that. Uh... You know, some of us take for granted, right? But it's just it's just so important to get out there and spend some time at the games and do something we all enjoy. So, yep. um, so uh, w- one thing I thought uh, would be good to kind of check in on, and we should probably do this fairly regularly, uh, but just the Ken Palm rankings. And if, any, if nobody has a subscription to the Ken Palm website, uh, we do. We'll be quoting those stats pretty frequently here. Um, there's just a, just a treasure trove of stats on this. And you could almost get so far in the stats that you'll never find your way back out quite frankly but you know we'll try to keep it fairly high level here and just to kind of give a check-in every now and then maybe once a month as to where the conference is where all these teams are at uh you're probably not going to be too surprised but just kind of a, a quick spin through things um so the current camp Palm ratings uh south dakota state is leading the way at 71 so you, you really see you have like three tiers in this so south dakota state at 71 they're by far and away the best then NDSU at 149, Oral Roberts at 176, Western Illinois at 188, which is which is up pretty significantly. Kansas City at 212, South Dakota at 215. So that's really sort of the middle tier. So you, you basically have South Dakota State by the tier on, on their own, and then the middle tier of North Dakota State, Oral Roberts, Western Illinois, and Kansas City, and, and South Dakota really. And then you have that bottom tier of St. Thomas who is 309 Nebraska Omaha 328 North Dakota at 330 and then Denver at 354 um, and so j- just kind of some interesting stats that really st- stand out uh, also is that you know as we all can about imagine as we've talked about that there's this is definitely more of a skill based league than a like length and athleticism based league obviously they're a little bit more efficiently on offense rather than defense so yeah. You know, uh, South Dakota State's offense, their adjusted offense, they're the 14th team in the nation, which is just really impressive, Far by far and away the best in the conference. And then on the other side of the token is defense, which, like, like St. Thomas is actually 357 
uh, in the nation, I think, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Nebraska, Omaha at 321. UND at 350 and Denver at 322. So, I mean, I don't know. I guys, that doesn't really surprise you, does it? Any of those things I was rattling off? I don't think so, Zach. I, you know, and the, the reason the Ken Palm numbers are going to be interesting to people is because everybody's into analytics nowadays. And, and uh, anytime you can put these numbers out and justify rankings with numbers, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that South Dakota State is, is at the top in, 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 a, in a number of different ways. Uh, I just think with, with uh, you know, Friedel back at a high level and Wilson on the floor, I, I just, and then Shireman playing at the level he is, I think they're going to be, uh, they are the, the team to beat right now. I think NDSU is, is you know, they're, they're in a, not even a close second at this point in time. And, uh, and who knows when Griesel, Sam Griesel will be back because I just think he's such a key component to what NDSU can accomplish. But, uh, you know, when you talk about the, the teams that, that don't surprise me being up in the top five, Western Illinois and Kansas City, both I, I think have earned that. I think Western Illinois, uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, Rob Jeter's done a great job of, of accumulating talent at Western Illinois, and I think they're going to be a, a factor in this race without question. And uh, Kansas City kind of struggled today at Arkansas State, but at the same time, they've shown that they're, they're going to be able to compete. They've got some bigger bodies to complement, you know, the, the way they play defensively on the perimeter and things along those lines. So I think they're going to be a factor in the race as well. But I agree with you. The Ken Palm uh, numbers are, are always intriguing to look at. I think if there's anything that's dis- that's concerning for the Summit League is having the number of teams in the Ken, Ken Palm ratings in the 300s. Um, not not great for the Summit League, especially this time of year. And this is when it really matters, when they're playing that non-conference competition. Can they find a way to get some quality wins against non-conference opponents? To this point, outside of the usual suspects, nobody's done it. NDSU has an opportunity coming up down at Creighton. That's certainly not going to be easy. And there's a few opportunities left. But... Um, Interesting numbers, and I really appreciate the numbers, the, the statistics that you brought out. Yeah, yeah. let me read my next point is that <clears throat> it's interesting. You can go all the way up to like, okay, so the Summit League is ranked right now 24th out of 32 conferences yeah. in the NCAA. And really their profile of the top of the conference, the top three or four teams, looks very similar out of against all the conferences going all the way up to probably – 12th which is the conference usa and Mm -hmm. uh in multiple bids in the ncaa tournament it looks very similar you're exactly right greg the bottom half can't be in the 300s right just there's just too many like there can be maybe one but there can't be four that's really sort of hurting the conference um so again this will be something we don't want to spend a ton of time on it but we want to check in do it from time to time just to kind of see as things trend you know, we've seen some teams take some big jumps up. Western Illinois has really came up. It came up about at least 100 spots. Um, and, the, the, like, the rest of the teams have kind of held serve. But the, those bottom teams, it's going to be really interesting to watch how this plays out. Obviously not a huge sample size at this point, right? And um, But, you know, it, it, uh, it means something at this point. There's enough of body work that we can start looking at this stuff. So, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that in there and thought it was interesting. And we'll see where we end up compared to where we are right now. Yeah, Zach, one of the, the two things that I found interesting in the numbers, Western Illinois is, is second in the summit, according to Ken Palm, in adjusted defense. 
which mm-hmm. does surprise. I mean, North Dakota State being first does not surprise me, but Western mm-hmm. being second surprises me a little bit. Um, the projections now have South Dakota State winning 15 conference games and the next closest North Dakota State with 12. And so mm-hmm. it the, the, the gap has gotten a little bit bigger between one and two there. Um, and if, if the Summit League were to finish 24th at the end of the year, that would be their worst finish in Ken Palm, at least in the last five years. I haven't looked back before that. Um, and they typically finish somewhere between 14 and 19. Yep. So, yes. Yeah. To your point last year, they were 16th. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so the, the, it's, again, it's just sort of the bottom of the conference pulling that down year before that 19th. Let's see what we got here. And so in 2019, 23rd. Yeah. So they, they've typically been a lot higher and it, and it just goes to show like it's, they aren't that far away from being, really the top half of the conferences. And uh, I, I think, you know, as we get into the games here, we can kind of discuss, you know, those bottom teams and kind of what's going on with them too. Um, you know, the, those top teams are going along nicely, but um, you know, if you guys want, we could just get right into the games. I mean, 20 minutes. Yeah. In, what do you guys think? All right. Yeah. Let's do that. South Dakota state. Let's just go by Ken Palm. Start with South yeah. Dakota state. Well, South Dakota State, you know, their main thing was that MTE, right? It, they had that MTE at the Pentagon, uh, really a big opportunity for them. They really took it to Nevada. Like, they took it to Nevada. They beat Nevada by, what was it, 27, I think? I think they won, like, 102 to 75. Uh, so that's just, just incredibly impressive. Douglas Wilson, 24 points. He's back on track, and when he's rolling, they're just extremely hard to guard. There's just, you have nowhere to turn in terms of who you're going to help off of, you know? Uh, And then they lost to Washington, which honestly I thought was probably the most winnable game out of all three that, you know, even though they are a power five conference, I don't think that was a great loss. That was really sort of the first time South Dakota played this played this year where I kind of felt maybe a little let down. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I'm with you. I, I think Todd referenced it in a tweet where he just said, you know, you, um, I think they, re- they talked about Washington has already lost three bye games, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it's it was probably the, the most disappointing performance of the tournament for South Dakota State. And, um, you know, if it hadn't been for them capping the uh, point differential at 20, South Dakota State probably would have been the champion at the tournament uh, yeah. because they, they won bigger. But it's uh, it, it's one of those that that – uh, you know, I mean, Washington as a power five team, for goodness sakes, they're obviously going to have a level of talent that you just can't go out there and sleepwalk through and expect to win. And so uh, it was still an impressive performance going two and one and, and beating a couple of sound teams and playing at a high level at times. And I'm just I just go back to the fact and I've talked to a, a couple of different people about this. As long as South Dakota State can keep uh, Wilson healthy and, and Friedel on the floor, they are at a level that, that everybody else is going to be chasing in the summer league. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the number one thing, the number one takeaway for South Dakota State for this last week for me is that nothing changed, right? As long as nothing changes for them, there's no injuries, there's nothing out of the ordinary happening. They're going to be fine. They're going to be at the top of the conference, and away they go, right? That's basically where they're at right now. Yeah, I I don't think anything changed as far as them being the top team in the summit. I I still think that's who they are. One of the things that can be – Interesting to see with these MTEs, and maybe I'm way off base, and you guys can tell me this, but 
the Achilles heel for South Dakota State the last several years has been getting knocked out in the Summit League tournament. And you can't have a game like the game against Washington in the Summit League tournament. If you do that against North Dakota State, Western Illinois, Oral Roberts, you're done. Like that, that's the end of your season. It doesn't matter if you won 15 games or 16 games in the conference. And and if if that's where I that's the lesson I would take from that. I, I don't even again, I might be way off base. It might be and and a lot of Jackrabbit fans will come back with that Washington was just hot shooting. And yes, they made shots, but they were also kind of open. So like it's that's the thing. Like I I'm happy for whatever Summit League team makes it to the NCAA tournament. And but one of the reasons why I was excited about Oral Roberts is I thought they could do some damage. And one of the reasons why I like it to be South Dakota State with this team is because they can do some damage in the tournament, and that's a good thing. Uh, it doesn't mean that if somebody upsets them, I won't be excited for that team. But if they're clearing away the best team, I'd rather they represent the conference in the NCAA tournament. And there's teams that if they if they are flat like that, it'll be a problem. Well, you almost wondered if Coach Henderson realized that there was some type of misfire in the last couple of years in these in in the in the scenario where they play three games in three days that they know they needed a test run at it. You know, it's really about what they learn from this. Because you're right, Todd. If you think about it, hey, they're out of the conference tournament, right? If this MTE is a conference tournament, they're out of it. And right. that can happen. Teams can shoot well. It's a very difficult situation because, I mean, if you have like a day or two to practice for a team, it's totally different, totally different than just going over it in a walkthrough, right? And so whether that's keeping track of the right personnel in terms of those of the guys that got hot for Washington or whatnot, um, again, you know, it, it's it, that's something to watch going forward. I guess where I was saying, did anything change? It was like nobody got hurt nobody's sick no like everybody is still locked and loaded so by that perspective they're doing well but you're right i mean i don't know that 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 is kind of interesting that they were that they dropped the game and and here i mean this is how highly we think of south dakota state that you know losing a game to a power five school is eyebrow raising right you know so that's just that's just how highly we we regard them really so that's not to take away from the fact that they beat the crap out of nevada that that's that was probably their most impressive game of the year yeah yeah they're they're a good team i just they, the same thing happened in the crossover classic last year. They had one game where they just didn't come out and they got their doors blown off a little bit. I, I was just hopeful for three really um, high level games. And you know, well, Coach Henderson's and- telling them that before every game that, hey, you better come ready to play or you're going to lose. And it's like until they actually see that happen, sometimes it doesn't resonate as much as it maybe should. I don't know, Greg, what do you think as a former coach? Well, I, I think it's the fine line you walk as a mid-major league, and, and Todd's referenced this. You know, you look at how different leagues handle it. Do you give your top two seeds a double buy into the semis? Uh, how, how do you do it? How do you give your best teams the best chance to get to the to, to the tournament? And I, I think that's something that, that uh, you know, conference offices have to decide, um, league athletic directors, league presidents have to decide. And you want to remove obstacles as best you can, but at the same time, Doggone it. I, you know, you, you proved it over the course of a regular season. Can you prove it over three out of four days, you know, in the summer league tournament, which is what your top two seeds right now. They, they play the first night, they get the second day by. Um, th- that's the balance you want. You, 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 you know, you, you try to find, 
And at the same time, the top teams in the Summit League, you know, we've talked about the frustration with the bottom teams right now being in the 300s. You know, you look at the, you know, the NDSUs, the SDSUs, ORU, um, and, you know, Western Illinois and USD, they're all capable. So if you find those four, you know, four of those five teams in the semis, hey, it, it's, you better be ready to play. You better be ready yeah. to compete. But I think it comes down to how you structure your conference tournament. How do you give your best teams a chance to get to the big dance? And at the same time, they still have to earn it. And, and I think you referenced this, Zach. I'm sure Eric Henderson's talking about it. Hey, all it takes is one let up, and all of a sudden we're done uh, in, in March. And so I think it's uh, a, little, a balance a little bit between those two things of how is the conference tournament structured and how are you playing at the right time of the season. And one last thing for well, on South Dakota State. Their rotation is getting short. It looks like David Wingett's basically out of the rotation. I mean, he was a part-time starter last year. He's basically out of the rotation. They're down to basically Charlie Easy, Easley, uh, Luke Apple, and then probably a little bit of Zeke Mayo. That's probably it. So, again, you're talking three games in three days. This was a little test run as to, all right, how fresh are we playing seven, maybe eight guys? You know, that's something to consider, too. So, you know, uh, but but important simulation, though, right? They want to be learning these lessons now and not during the conference tournament when it's too late. So absolutely. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's my whole point in bringing it up like that. It's a good yep. opportunity to, to learn from it. Mm-hmm. So on to North Dakota State. I have one question. I'll let you guys go from there. Have, have we figured out the replacement with Sam out or is that still kind of up in the air? Well, I, I, I think it's probably up in the air a little bit. Um, you know, Des McKinney started three games, and all of a sudden he had a, a coach's decision, DNP, against uh, Tarleton State. And that's that's one of those where you look at Dave Richmond, you can't read, I can't read too much into it. Um, but if you're not playing and, and you're healthy, uh, from a Dave Richmond standpoint, there, there's something along the lines of what's your mentality? Are you ready to get out there and get after it? And when you take the fact that Sam Griesel's out already and then Des McKinney is your next, you know, most experienced primary ball handler, primary decision maker, makes himself unavailable, uh, the, <clears throat> the, the closest of the Tarleton, Tarleton State game wasn't a surprise, uh, especially if you watched it a little bit and especially if you watched them play Michigan. Now, yeah. Coach Gillespie yeah. will ride those guys, and my guess is about halfway through the WAC season, two or three of those guys are going to break down because he plays them 40 minutes and just rides them so hard. But at the same time, you go back to your concern about North Dakota State. Um, McKinney played some minutes the other night against Idaho. Idaho, not a great team. But I, I guess, you know, McKinney will figure it out. I, I've always said the fastest brain in the body is the one that goes from the butt to the brain when you're sitting on the bench. You either figure it out in a hurry or you don't. And uh, Willie Guy has done a nice job. Willie Guy is a better perimeter scorer. Uh, he's got to get more confident uh, handling the ball, making decisions and things along those lines. I think he's got an experienced group around him that will allow him to develop that. Uh, obviously, for North Dakota State, for them to achieve their highest you know, expectations, Sam Griesel has to get back to the lineup. Just, But just because of his current situation, it's, it's really a week-to-week. Right. might be three or four weeks before he's back in the floor. And I'm, Dave Richmond is not going to rush that because they want to be at their best in the middle of the conference season, at the end of the conference season. And Sam will be back. Had a great chance to visit with him prior to the Idaho game last night. Such a great kid. Um, the kid is so in tune with exactly what's going on with him right now. I'm not going to reveal any of that. But he is uh, 
Um, he, he knows what he needs to do to get back to the floor and get back to, to the lineup to be healthy and make this North Dakota State team better. In the meantime, it allows Dave Richmond to develop some of those other guys that may not have as many minutes and, and allow them to gain, you know, gain some quality experience. And like, so I, I think my answer would be, um, I, I have my answer. It, it's not it, like nobody's going to step up and replace Sam Griesel, obviously. Like the production isn't necessarily going to come from the backcourt, right? That's just who this personnel is. And the good news, obviously, is they have Rocky Cruz and Grant Nelson, right? Yeah. And so to yeah. me, that's everything. Like, again, I, I, I hate talking like this because obviously these coaches know what to do. I, they know all this stuff. I'm not talking to the coaches, right? This is just us talking here. Um, it's, you know, obviously I, I try to run everything possibly I could through Rocky Cruiser and I'd get him as many touches and in many different places as I could. And, uh, you know, try to, you know, screen them into the post, you know, pick and pop, whatever pin downs, you know, I would run the offense through him. I would, uh, make the defense come in terms of, uh, a, a, a double team. Um, and then I'd let him make good decisions out of that. He's proven he makes great decisions out of double teams. So, you know, I guess the long story short is I think you start everything with Rocky Cruiser, let him create and let him read the situation and then let guys play off of him because he's going to be he's obviously the most dynamic offensive player, the most capable person. He's done this before. He's had huge games before. He knows how to do this. And he's really the only guy on the court that can say that really at this point. Yeah, and I'll just add something really quick. I thought one of the maybe the. the most impressive things about the game against Idaho was Tyree Eady. After really not producing much at all against uh, an extremely aggressive Tarleton team, Eady had a double-double last night and was really in a, in a leadership role in a number of different ways. And And if Sam's not on the floor, Eady, I think, really has an opportunity. There's a vacuum there that he can really fill uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a composure standpoint. Edie was great against Idaho. I mean, fantastic. Rocky mm-hmm. had a ton of great dunks. He had a double-double. Nelson was was flashy as usual and, and, and difficult to guard. Edie, I think, was the guy that really stepped up and said, all right, you know, and, until Sam gets back, I'm going to fill this role. And, and even when Sam does get back, I think Edie needs to continue to play at that level because he has the ability to, and I think Dave Richmond really wants him to. The last comment that I'll make about NDSU is it was great that they played against the team that zoned him, that zoned them yep. for the majority of the game. It wasn't yeah, a good, good zone. It wasn't a good zone, but at least they got to run live offense against the zone. Because honestly, if I was a coach, I'd probably think about zoning them. Yep. You know, I'd probably think about them making some shots. It was interesting. They played against the zone. They scored 90 points, but they hit three threes. They hit three threes. They were three for 19 from three. So, I mean, I don't know. There may be some coaches looking at that saying, well, we maybe take our chances, provided we can guard the paint better. I mean, that's usually the whole point of playing a zone. But, you know. You had a ton of dunks last night. I know. That that doesn't do you any good if you're you're just getting carved up like that. But, um, anyway, that was just my last point about NDSU. I thought that was kind of a good takeaway. We'll kind of file that one away for later this year. So, on to the next team, Oral Roberts. I'll I'll start just because I was at the game. Uh, the one thing that did strike me a little bit, and and we were down on them a couple weeks ago, and and still have some question marks with with O'Banner gone. Um, that game against Oklahoma State did feel a little bit like last year's team, though. Just that energy and that, 
Thanks, Ace Miss. I mean, I don't know how to even what you even say. The the he needs such to to see it in person is so different. He's needs such little space. He's he's so dynamic. In fact, if other guys he gets other guys such open looks. If if they would have hit a little bit more in the first half, I think they come away with that one still. Then Deshane Weaver goes crazy in the second half. Um, that that was my takeaway being at the game, and I know they lost in in overtime against Oklahoma State, um, but it just had that feel of last year's team for the first time this year, um, and it showed again if they just defend a little bit, they they can really be dangerous. Hey, Todd, what's Weaver's health look like? I mean, that's been my primary concern the last couple of seasons. He's just been a shell of himself in a lot of ways. What I've always thought, if he's truly healthy, he's a dynamic player. How did he look? He he went up for a alley-oop that I thought was way overthrown by about eight feet, and he somehow got up and got it. Um it's the only thing that's a little odd with him is he just wants to be a perimeter player. And at with his athleticism and his uh length, I, I don't I don't understand. I guess I don't completely and I get I get wanting to be able to step out, but um at the same time I think he had three or four blocks in that game. So he was I, I, and if you guys remember last year, we talked about that about halfway through the season. I'd say he just doesn't look the same right. um, as he did his freshman year. Um, I, the athleticism is there. He's just they, they like that perimeter at in Tulsa. There, I don't know. How, how did they? How did Oral Roberts guard the paint with only Deshane Weaver out there? I mean, it looks like Oklahoma State only hit two threes and scored seventy-eight points. They must have been handling their business in the paint, right? I mean, how is yeah. Oral Roberts able to hold up in the paint? They they, they would switch in uh, Elijah Lufile on defense, um, and then on the offensive end, he made the mistake on, made a mistake on the screen, and Weaver, after about three seconds on the bench, was back up at the scorer's table. Um, so I, I think they're waiting. The problem is I think they have some big guys that could help down low it just doesn't seem like any of them are ready. The freshman Heron um, played just a little bit. Lufile um, would, at the end of the game, he'd come in to play defense. Um, and then as soon as there was a whistle and they could get either DeShang or Francis back out there, um, he would go back uh, back to the bench. I just don't think, you know, you know, Banner was never the greatest defender, but he at least gave you some size down there. Not sure they have somebody that Weaver's probably their best interior defender um well that's just does but as far as shot blocking and things like that weaver's probably their best player down there it's you know the only good news is in the summit league there's only a couple of teams that can really damage you down there but uh mm-hmm. yeah it looks like they got all rebounded by 14 too but you know i mean that's you know okay you know i mean max Aismas, seven for 12 for three right or yeah. you know that's that's pretty straightforward also, you know, Francis Lotsis knocking down three. Shang Weaver knocking down three. Uh, it was really interesting. They did all this, took Oklahoma State to overtime with Phipps and McBride combining for seven points. I think that's right. really interesting. I mean, because they've had some big games so far. I mean, so what did you like out of uh, Phipps and McBride? Girl, how do you think they played? McBride's going to give people problems in the Summit League. He is ultra quick. He's, he's going to be hard to guard. Um, yeah. it, it, Oklahoma State was able to stay in front. I mean, we're, we're talking top 50 recruits, probably. Um, so same athleticism. Um, he's he's quicker than Max, and Max is really quick. Um, 
he's going to give some people some problems. Um, and and uh, Phipps, oh, he was so open on that last shot. Um, I, I thought that was going to be the game winner. Um, that that, that didn't see a ton. Nothing really stood out. He played a, a decent amount, but nothing really stood out with him um, in that game. But he is a good shooter. Um, I think he just. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Pulled it a little short on that last one because it didn't get blocked or anything. It just he just missed it. But well, to, be a, to be a fly on the wall when McBride and Ace Smith go head to head in practice because you know that's oh. what every practice is all day long. Yeah, McBride is ultra quick. It stood out clearly. Yeah, and I think and obviously, uh, or you, I mean, they they lose O'Banner, but they still have a ton of talent. And it's going to come down to I'm a broken record. You know, at the end of the season, are they going to be able to defend when it matters? Are they going to be able to get stops? And I think that's my question is, you know, how, how are they defensively? I look at, you know, with uh, ORU, Western Illinois, USD. Let's talk about the next three teams, you know, the, after the South Dakota State, North Dakota State. Uh, Western Illinois, to me, intrigues me from their upside. I think yeah. the upside, not only offensively, but maybe even more importantly, defensively, their versatility to get out and defend people, to be physical down low, to get after people on the perimeter. That's maybe the thing that's impressed me the most about Western Illinois. And this is not any disrespect to USD. I think they have a limited ceiling. I think we know who they are. I don't know how much better they can get as far as defensively or offensively individually. Now, you know, uh, the, the coaching staff, they can do a great job of, of, of doing some things schematically, but I still think that USD has a limited upside where Western Illinois really has a ton of upside and ORU is going to be as good as their defense allows them to be uh, with, with, you know, in, in critical games in the summer league down the stretch. Well, Mr. Ken Palm would say that you're absolutely right, Greg Steam, and uh, Western Illinois is the most balanced team in the summer league. They are, they, you know, in terms of their offensive defense, Western Illinois brings is sort of the best of both worlds there. And that's obviously a great sign for them. You know, they just beat a good Miami of Ohio team. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have their big four, right? Karius is averaging 16. Barisic is averaging 15. Sandage is av- averaging 13. And Mastner is averaging 13. So that that's the formula to win right there. Four scores, not necessarily one or two. Balanced scoring, good defense. They have it all. I mean, Miami of Ohio beat Georgia Tech to start out the year. They're five and yep. one. Yep. So... Yeah. Uh, they're a really good team. And and to your point about South Dakota, you know, <clears throat> they're going to be solid, but you're right. The question is about their ceiling. And you know, obviously they just weren't able to keep up with Nebraska in the same way that Western Illinois was, right? I mean, that, that's their common opponent and Western Illinois was able to take care of them. But, and, and, and uh, you know, it's just hard for South Dakota to get over that 70 point mark, you know? Right. Uh, and, and so, It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch them. You know, no doubt it'll develop a little bit. Their guards are starting to knock down more and more shots, and maybe they'll continue to get better. You know, any Todd Lee coach team is always going to continue to get better. You know, the, the defense is going to tighten. The offense is going to sharpen up a little bit. But, you know, it is it, – it, like, it, there are a bunch of role players that – and that's not a derogatory term at all. I mean, everybody has no. a role. But they had their lead dog. I mean, they were they – were, those guys were fantastic when they had their lead dog there too, you know. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, you know, they don't necessarily know where the who's going to be a leading scorer on any given night, uh, which can be a strength and it could be a weakness, you know. So uh, I don't know. They're going to be a fun team to watch, though. Um, but, uh, you know, again, probably a lot of the same every night out 
which is a testament to them because consistency is one of the hardest things to do in college basketball. So, well, and Zach, I just want to touch on South Dakota real, real quick. Um, Xavier Fuller and Tasso's Comateros, you know, take for what it's worth. They were voted to the second team all summit preseason. It looks like both have struggled a little bit to take that next, that added on role without Stanley and, and AJ there. Um, on, on a positive note, Cruz Perilhunt has had a, the last three or four games for him. He has really stepped up, not just scoring, which he scored a ton. I bet he's averaging 17, 18 points a game in the last three, four games. Um, but he's rebounding and doing some other things as well. Um, they, they, It just feels like they need somebody to be a consistent scorer, to be the best they can, they can be. Um, and then back to, to Western Illinois, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they finished second nope. at the end of the regular season. Nope. They're, 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 you know, it, if we, if we didn't know who they were a few years ago, it, it, we, that isn't even a surprising statement. It, and they, I just, I've, I don't want to be a broken record on this, but the pe- the players they brought in fit so well to what they didn't do well before. And and it just feels like they all kind of know their role when you said being a role player isn't a bad thing. It isn't like George Dixon doesn't care if he never scores a point, but he will grab you six, seven rebounds. He'll get two, three steals. He'll he he was beat. I think it was the Northern Kentucky game. He was completely beat and reached around and got grabbed the ball for a jump ball on a play. Most people would have just given up and said, all right, he's got a layup. I Northern Kentucky's a, top 150 Ken Palm team. They beat them on the road and they beat Miami of Ohio, who I think is at 120 right now. So yeah. those, those are two good wins. I just look at the, and and this is, a, this is an eye test comment and USD fans will be upset with me. I, I just think USD has a ceiling unless somebody completely plays above their pay grade. From what I've observed to this point, Western Illinois, on the other hand, I just I think their talent level is is probably top two or three in the league, and I think yeah. that's going to be the challenge for Rob Jeter is can he coach them up to that level, and and who they were two two years ago uh, to your point Todd it's irrelevant it's a totally different system it's a totally different cast of members, yeah. and so I think Western Illinois is is going to be in the conversation and let's not forget uh, there are teams in the Summit League that will raise money just so they can charter into Macomb it is not an easy road trip. Right. And, and, right. and it's and that and we can make excuses all we want. No coach wants to do that, but uh, it, they're they're going to be tough to beat Macomb. I don't care who I don't care if you're South Dakota State, North Dakota State, who you are. West Illinois is going to be a tough out at home, and they're going to be a tough out at at your place just because Rob Jeter has them defending, has them getting after on the glass. Those things travel, uh, so without question, they're they're moving up into that top three, uh, top two conversation. Yeah, I hope and, fans uh, are going to the games at, at McComb. But I, I didn't get to I had to listen to the Miami of Ohio game, so I didn't get to see it. But I really hope they're getting people to go to those games because that's a team worth watching. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 back to South Dakota, they now start that uh Tim Miles swing that both South Dakota and North Dakota are gonna go down to San Jose, play Coach Miles, and that's gonna be a fun one. I know we'll all be turning in tuning into that one. Uh, should at least be on ESPN plus would be my guess. Um, 
so then that, that kind of does it for that middle tier of the, of the Ken Palm teams, you know, North Dakota state, Oral Roberts, Western Illinois, Kansas city and South Dakota. They're all in that Ken Palm 100 to 200 range. And then, you know, below that are the, the Ken are, are the teams that are uh, currently 300 plus in Ken Palm, uh, St. Thomas, Nebraska, Omaha, North Dakota, and Denver. Uh, so to, to touch on St. Thomas, I think the, the game that I watched the most of was the Seattle game. And that was really, I mean, it, it was, it was a good game for them because it was probably a little bit more of an accurate representation of what a lot of these teams are going to do to them. Um, you know, Seattle did knock down a lot of threes, um, but they did do a good job of kind of slowing it down and just sort of methodically working their way on the inside against St. Thomas, where, St. Thomas is really going to struggle defensively. Uh, they're actually 300. Uh, St. Thomas is actually 357th in the nation uh, in, in adjusted de- in adjusted defense. And so, what adjusted defense is, it's the amount of points that you give up essentially per possession, and then it's also adjusted for the teams that you play. So, it's probably the truest representation of the of defense. And again, like we knew this was going to be a problem. It's not like St. Thomas is a very well coached team. If you watch them. It's a clinic on offense, tremendous movement, defense. They're always in position. It's just, they're just going to be physically overwhelmed sometimes. And that's going to be a problem. If you're undisciplined, you play against them. You're going to have a lot of problems. If you're disciplined, you can get what you want on offense and defense this year, this year, uh, in the Seattle game, you know, Seattle just knocked down a couple shots. But the other thing about this Seattle game is, this is sort of St. Thomas's welcome to division one basketball moment, right? This is not getting in a bus and driving five minutes to Hamlin or driving <laughs> two minutes to McAllister, right? That's not what this is. And then going back and sleeping in their bed, it's flying across country, shooting, shoot arounds, meals, hotels, buses, all that stuff, play one game and then fly all the way back and do it again. So this is, this is really I'm really curious to get like all the coaches and the support staff and just what their impression of this whole process is, because it is so different than than what they were used to. I mean, that conference, nobody has a longer bus trip than 45 minutes other than for Concordia Moorhead. And now they have to go through all these hoops that is just so different than what they've been used to. So, you know, just all that stuff is just what I'm curious about. I don't know. Uh, what about you guys? You guys have a chance to watch them at all? I watched some of the Seattle game and, and I, I just think it was, yeah, I, I think they got exposed in certain areas. I still think um, St. Thomas is going to be one of those teams. It's always going to, it's going to stink to prepare for them when they're on the back end of that road trip. You know, uh, when they're that, when they're that Saturday game it goes back to your point, Zach, they execute very well offensively. They're not easy to guard. They space the floor very well. They give their bigs room to operate. Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how they're going to, handle it. And they will, they, they are going to knock some teams off uh, bottom line. They're going to beat some teams, uh, whether it's at home or on the road, just because of their, it, it's not easy to guard them. And, and some, some programs will put a ton of emphasis in, emphasis into preparing for that first game for that Thursday game. And maybe not as much as the Saturday game when they're the Saturday opponent, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. No, the, the other thing I'll say about St. Thomas is it's really apparent that, you know, a lot of these division one teams just have a bunch of good players and they're not used to having to work to get their own shots. 
right? A lot of these good players don't understand how impactful working as a team can be. I mean, yeah. those, those St. Thomas guys, they get guys open, yeah. right? They, they make some contested shots, but they get guys open just because of how well they run their offense. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, watch St. Thomas and yeah. their offensive execution. Now, imagine that with Division One caliber players. Like, that's where it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to hold some of these tenants that's made them so good at the at their current level. You know, all these guys on St. Thomas' team, they're used to doing this because it's just, that's just what they have to do to score. You know, South Dakota, South Dakota State, they have players that you can just throw the ball to and then go get a bucket, right? That's not exactly the case with St. Thomas, but that's okay. You know, they, they can win like that, and really, they're going to wear some teams down. So I just, I yeah. think it's just really interesting to watch them play compared to some of these other teams. It just makes you, like, I'm sure all these other coaches are putting on film of St. Thomas and being like, guys, look at what this can do for you guys if you buy into this. Mm-hmm. I know there's definitely some teams, and we'll get to probably the next one, Nebraska-Omaha. And again, this isn't lost on Darren Hansen. I feel like I have to qualify every statement out there. But just helping kids understand how important it is to work together as a team because right now Nebraska-Omaha is right near the bottom offensively and defensively Ken Palm. And uh, that, that it's just a tough situation right now for Nebraska-Omaha. They're just trying to get traction like some of these other teams too. Well, and I hope they got paid good money for that oh, schedule. Man. Holy cow. I mean, they're yeah. not even just playing high majors. They're playing – Real uh, Purdue, Iowa. I mean, it's it's not even, you know, at least throwing a Washington or somebody, you know, Nebraska, who at least it feels a little bit more like you can compete. I don't know how you keep a team up and ready to go for the next games after you're losing by fifty every time. I and it's I want to reserve judgment because you know we've seen Darren Hansen teams before. It's just so hard to know when all you have to go off of are these games where they're losing by 30. Yeah, it's tough to talk about them. I mean, there's really not much great material in which, for which to evaluate them other than hopefully they're just not getting demoralized, like you said. Yeah. You know, you don't want this to – because that's the danger in this. And um, I just hope they've, they've learned from it and then are just moving on because there's no point dwelling on some of those games. Because that, that's the hardest – that's got to be the hardest mid, mid-major mid conference schedule I, I've seen uh, – I've ever seen, really. Yeah, and, it, and I think Darren Hansen is probably as well-schooled in that area of saying, guys, you know, this is not going to define who we are. You know, yeah. our goal is to be ready for the summer league. Now, is Robinson and, and Tut, are they back yet, or are they I, – I, I, the, On one of the broadcasts, they said Robinson's done for the year. Oh, that's that, – Knee injury. That's yeah. unfortunate. I mean, he's uh, he's electrifying from a quickness standpoint, things along those lines. And so that's 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 unfortunate. But if Tut comes back, and I, I just think, you know, what, what they have to do is understand we're, we're not playing Summit League teams. And that's no disrespect to Summit League teams. But you talked about the level of play they're playing against. Uh, Purdue is literally a top five team in the country. And, and they've looked amazingly impressive when I've watched them. So it, it, that's that really comes down to how does Darren Hansen handle it? I'm sure he'll, hand, he'll handle it as well as anybody can. And uh, they'll, they'll still be competitive. They'll always, they'll always be a tough out in Omaha without question. The, yeah, the good news is they – 14 minutes. Yeah, he's 14 slowly minutes, coming Purdue, back. So, yeah. Yep. 
The good news is they have 320th Ken Palm SIU Edwardsville and 333rd Texas A&M Corpus Christi coming up in the next four games. So maybe at least let's hope they if they lose by 15 to one of the, those two teams. I, oh boy, it'll be rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only teams we have not touched on are Denver and North Dakota. If I'm if I'm remembering right. Yep. Yep. So, so UND had that, uh, they had that MTE down in Florida where they played, uh, you know, three pretty solid teams. Um, they were able to beat Troy, you know, so again, they, they had that nice win over Montana. They go down there. Um, they, they got Troy, um, you know, they're, they're playing. I'm really curious to, to chat with the coaches here. Cause I, I, I'm wondering if there's a little bit more to the story here. Uh, so they, they go down, they play, um, just, just pulling it up here, make sure I have it exactly right. Yeah. So they, they get Troy by two Troy is a decent team. Um, uh, and then they, they lost to Florida Atlantic, uh, by, by quite a large margin. Florida Atlantic is good. And then, and then they, uh, dropped another one to UT Martin, who I think they actually thought they could get, um, that was actually a pretty good matchup. Um, but just really inconsistent performance by the returners. Right. And then after these games, then they, they did stay uh, down there and they ended up playing Florida international yeah. uh, who is a really good team. And then they just played Kansas state tonight, which was a, a really rough one. And really what it's, you know, like I said, and this is why I kind of want to reserve judgment on what's going on here, because I'm wondering if there's not more to the story, you know, because over the last four games, Bentu is averaging four and a half points. Igbonigo is averaging 3.75. Nero is averaging 12.5, but it's only three and a half in the last two. Jeez. And Sucre is averaging 6.25. They're getting 27 points per game out of their four returners, four starters. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. It doesn't matter. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, it doesn't matter what else happens that's going to undermine everything right and so these are the returners these are their leaders these are the people that coach taylor's counting on and any way you slice it you just need more production out of them obviously it's not all about scoring points but you can't average four or five points per game and keep your starting job forever paul bruns 13 points per game leading the uh, off the bench he looked totally comfortable out there against kansas state this afternoon um I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to jump to any conclusions because maybe there's other, something else going on there. Matt Norman uh, didn't play in their second game down there. Um, so he, or he used to say he missed the game against Florida International and, and was scoreless against Kansas State after starting four games earlier this year. So something, something is going on. Uh, I don't know what. Um, but they have a get right game coming up here against presentation. And then they have to go back right down to California. Yeah. Boy presentation, man, they're popping up on everybody's schedule. They're, yeah, they are. they're, 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 they're doing it the hard way this year. <laughs> um, but then, you know, UND circles back down to, to California. They play Cal yeah. Baptist in San Jose and Cal Baptist historically hasn't been great, but they beat San Jose already this year. So, I mean, two extremely difficult, difficult games. And so, it's not going to get easier any anytime soon for UND. They've got to figure it out. They've got to get those returners producing at a higher level. Period. 
they need they need those four guys to look like Western Illinois' four leading scorers, <laughs> right? 16 yeah. points, 14 points, 13 points, 13 points, not four, three, 12, and six. I, I agree with you, Zach. I, I think what's going on, and I'm, I'm not trying to minimize, I, I think it's just growing pains. I mean, yeah, you've got certain returners, things along those lines, but at the same time, um, they've got to grow into new roles, and they've got to they've got to do it with consistency. I was impressed with Bruns. I think he can be a heck of a player for him. Uh, so I, I, I just think there's a lot of room for growth. Very similar. I don't think as gifted as Western Illinois, but I think their upside is so far above what they've shown to this point. So I, I'm I, I think that's something that Paul Sather's going to going to relish, and and they are a team that without question they are gearing themselves up for Summit League play. That that's their. Their, their entire focus at this point. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's one saving grace, it's knowing just how much better than they can play. And they yeah. showed it this year. It's right. not like we're we're wishing for something or hoping for something. We've seen them do it. It's right. just they, it all has to line up. And so, again, I want to reserve uh, judgment just because who knows? Maybe the flu bug went through, the, you know, maybe there was injuries. Clearly, there's guys in and out of the lineup. I don't know exactly what was going on. All I, all I know is they're not, they're just not firing on all cylinders. If they were, and they were still losing like this, it'd be a different story. Right. But I mean, clearly we can see what's going on. I mean, we can see this level of production and be like, well, yeah, they're obviously not going to win any games like that. So, you know, well, figuring and, out what's going on there is. Yeah. Zach, you talked about adjusted defense with St. Thomas, North Dakota's at three fifty right now. Yeah. Yeah, and so like that, and that is one thing you didn't think of past Paul Sather teams is struggling on that end of the floor, and and I suppose offense can go to defense and all of that, but but yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's also you know not to let them off the hook, but you know they're you know there's there's three starting guards are about they're all about six feet tall, right? Yeah, six feet maybe six feet one. It's just it's that part is always going to be difficult. Um, They. It, but on, on the other hand, you know, yeah, it does all start with defense. But on the other hand, if you're going to shoot, you know, 39% from the field and 31% from three over over the course of the of the season, it's yeah. going to be really hard to win like that. Like they, they just they, there's like a lot. I think a lot of times we make basketball more complicated than it needs to be. Right. It's really not. It's really not that complicated. Guys just have to make plays, especially at this right. level. You just have to make plays. Simple as that. Be a basketball player. And so, I don't know. It's going to be fun to see them, but the schedule isn't getting easier for them coming up uh, outside of the presentation game. So, Yeah. And what, so one team left to talk about, uh, Denver. Uh, I'll start there just a little bit. I, it, to me, it's just nice to see a Denver team. And I know the metrics show that they're still pretty low, compared, probably comparative to last year's team, but far more competitive um, they, the, the, their last two games, they really should have won, um, at, at, uh, Utah Valley. And I can't remember what the one before that was. Air, Air Force. Air Force. There we go. Yeah. Air Force. They, they but it was clear in, in the Air Force game, they, they stormed back down 23 or something like that and had a chance to win the game down one at the end. And they just kind of. They just never got a good shot. Taylor Gatlin finally just heaved one up after they couldn't get anything going. Both those games, the overtime against Utah Valley and the end of the Air Force game, to me, showed a team that's still just trying to figure out who does what, especially at those end-of-game situations. 
Um, the good news is some of their transfers are competent players and they play hard. Um, it, it feels a little bit like Western did last year. Not, I don't think they'll win as many games as Western did in the summit this year, but it just feel, to me feels good to have a Denver team. That's that's um, doing things the right way, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. I'll leave Denver at this uh, TBD to be determined. And I thought you had yeah. a piece on them. You know, they're going to show some fight. They're going to battle and air force and, and Utah Valley. Uh, both, both good teams, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, and air force is uh, young, but I, I think a very capable team and they put themselves in position. So I think to be determined if they're playing hard, uh, the coaching staff is going to be okay. They, they can work with that as long as they've got great effort. Yeah, I mean, you said it, Greg. You know, so every team, like when they're starting basically from scratch, like Denver was, they have to kind of go through these phases, right? The first thing is, you know, do we know who we are and can we play hard for 40 minutes, right? I think they're checking that box. They're playing pretty hard. They know who they are. And KJ Hunt's a good player. Yeah, 22-7 yeah. and seven against Utah Valley. Uh, he's a good player. He can create. Uh, he's going to have a nice stat line pretty much this entire year. And then the next step is, you know, how do how do we how do we translate all this to winning? Because it's not enough it's not enough to play hard and, and knock down some shots, right? You know, how do you translate all of this to winning? And that's just kind of where they're at, where they're trying to break through, where they do a good job for the majority of the game, and then it kind of comes down to crunch time and they're not as comfortable. And it's really understandable why they really haven't been in that situation. It wouldn't surprise me if they start to break through a little bit more. You know, once they get that taste of victory and they know what it looks like, you know, they have that clear idea in their mind of what it looks like to play winning basketball down the stretch. And, you know, they're they're going to beat some people, man. They, they they shoot it fairly well. They basically go a five out approach. Right. So their post player, uh, it's very much like Oral Roberts in terms of, you know, they have a, a, a five technically, but he's basically a, a pick and pop guy. So yeah. uh, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch. I mean, yeah, two close games, um, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not throwing horseshoes here, but um, it's, it's progress. It's progress. And as long as things are chill, uh, pointing in the right direction, then, Hey, that's all right. Well, and so we're over our hour mark, but I'll, we'll end with, if there's any last comments just on the conference as a whole of what we've learned. So, so far, and I guess I'll kind of start, I, I think it is kind of tears like you had brought up and like Ken Palm shows Zach. I just think that, that it, that they're South Dakota state. What we've learned is they're at the top and the next three, I could see it shaking out anyway. And then when I think of the bottom, I, I think it could shake up all sorts of different ways. Like I, yeah. I left this, the beginning of the year, it seemed pretty clear. St. Thomas and Denver were a step below North Dakota and, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not thinking, but the, the rest of the bottom. And I just think it could, I think what we've learned through these first three weeks, four weeks, is that that the, the bottom that there's a lot of t- Denver, North Dakota, St. Thomas, I, it could shake out anyway with all of them. I, I think that top four, to me, have shown to be better teams than the rest of the league. Um, but I think that's the other thing to remember with this time of year is it, it can change and you never know. I mean, look at Sam Griesel and the surgery, look what that did to North Dakota state. And it seems like they're starting to kind of 
figure it out without him right now, but all it takes is one player, to, a change with one player, or been to last year, just all of a sudden going going crazy, and now all of a sudden North Dakota is a completely different team. So as the conference as a whole, I think it's it's as much as we know, we still don't know, I guess would be my way to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's better in that there's not one or maybe two teams at the bottom of the conference. Um, but it's bad in that we have this, these group of four or five teams that we need to get from Ken Palm 300s to Ken Palm 200s. And if, yeah. if that happens, which can still happen. I mean, I like we, we kind of discussed the path for that for all those teams tonight. If they get there and there's reason to believe that they could, then this conference is much different. You know, you don't want those bottom four games to be sort of gimme games. You want them to be much more like middle tier games. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and uh, you know, just based on what I've looked at, it, it's clearly a one bid league again this year uh, without question. And so I think that, you know, with the saving grace for those bottom teams, listen, we've got a few more games to get ready for conference season. And we've got to define who we are. We've got to make those improvements. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And and as much as we might express a certain level of disappointment with some of the lower level teams, there's still no easy teams to, to play in this league, especially at their place. And and we've seen, you know, those those those, you know, questionable losses pop up from time to time. Uh, this year will be no different. There's going to be it's not easy to go to Denver. It's not easy to go to Macomb. Uh, we'll see what it's going to be like to go to St. Thomas, things like that. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And, and the top teams, to be with, to be honest with you, they still have a ton to prove. South Dakota State's been extremely impressive, but they still have a ton to improve. A ton to prove. Same thing with North Dakota State. Western Illinois shown they're going to be dangerous. And uh, and ORU, uh, the, those are the four teams right now that you think are going to be towards the top. But anything can shake out at this point. Well, and I'll end with one other thing, and I know I'm a broken record on this, but Western Illinois, who's who's increased their Ken Palm by probably close to 100, has has done it by playing Northern Kentucky, Miami of Ohio, Eastern Michigan, DePaul, and Nebraska are the two power fives they've played. Yeah. It, the, the more you can get these at least more similar opponents, you got to win the games too. But look yeah. what it's done. To, for them to to be able to win those games, and and still prepares them for the for the for the regular season. I just look at Omaha's schedule, and I, I who again, every coach we've had on is showing why we don't know much about scheduling, or at least Zach and I don't. Um, but I don't. Either. I, I don't know. It just it 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 baffles me to get that how that helps to get beat up that bad. I get you have to have one of the two of those in there, but yeah. And I think you can say the same thing about Oral Roberts' schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a little bit of an unknown situation. Has yep. I mean, how much does that help them? Maybe it has. I don't know. But we don't know that yet. Like like, right. we, like we do know with Western Illinois. So. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just, I don't know. I know I've said it a million times, but I, these conferences, if they just work together, <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. Let's keep, let's keep pushing forward. By the way, I want to let yeah. the listeners know that we weren't on last week because of, a mistake on my part. I apologize to Todd and Zach. Completely my fault. So sorry that we missed the, the podcast last week, but I take full responsibility. But it's great to be back on this week. Hey, man, yep. we're moving forward. And it was, it was a good podcast tonight. I just appreciate uh, 
everybody tuning in and just keep getting us feedback. And, uh, and I think we're trying to tweak a little bit what we're doing here, you know, but I just feel like every week we get talking and we run out, uh, run out of time here. So it's hard to put much more in, but, uh, keep giving us feedback. Thanks guys. Yeah. With that, we'll wrap up this week and, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Take care.